Hello, everyone. This is Joyce Davis, Pin Live's opinion editor, coming to you with another Battleground PA podcast. It's all coronavirus, I'm afraid, and but we're going to go right into it with our two analysts, Rajat Harris on the Democrat side and Jeffrey Lord on the Republican side. We've got a lot to talk about, so stay tuned. We'll be right back for another Battleground PA podcast. This is Battleground PA, a Penn Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Okay, we are back, and I am delighted once again to welcome Battleground PA analyst Rajat Harris and Republican Battleground PA analyst Jeffrey Lord. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, well, from the Batcave. <laughs> we all feel like we're in a Batcave in our homes, but let me let me just ask our listeners: <laughs> Listen, if you want to join us, if you want to comment, if you want to add your ideas. Why don't you join at, on Facebook or Twitter at Battleground PA, and you can send us an email with your ideas at topics at battlegroundpa.org. So please join the conversation. Okay, guys, let's get started. First, we know that at least our part of, of Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania, isn't doing as bad as places like New Jersey and New York. It really is a disaster in those places, but it is giving us a little bit of a, not a little bit, we're in the middle of a crisis. That's very clear. So number one, what have been the political developments related to this crisis? Rajat, why don't you start off? Well, we found out a day or two ago that we're joining other states and postponing our primary. So there's a bill currently, it's a bipartisan bill, actually. So again, this virus is bringing everyone together, but it's going to move quickly. And our the Pennsylvania primary is going to be moved to June 2nd. And a lot of the reasons is um, a lot of the counties aren't able to prepare for the election. A lot of the polling places don't want to host the election anymore. You have your normal poll workers are declining to work. And then, of course, we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. So there's a concern of having a large group of people with this being such a large election year congregating in one small place at a time. So our primary is going to be moved to uh, June 2nd. To June 2nd. And I'm assuming there's no objection. You said that's bipartisan. The Republicans are just fine with that as well. Right, Jeffrey, as far as you know? Yeah, as far as I know. I must say, as a Pennsylvanian, one of the things that sort of annoyed me I mean, here we are, a big state with a lot of electoral votes, lots of people, and we're always waiting until April in a presidential year to have our primary. I mean, I frankly think this should have been moved years ago back to January so that we could have some voice in it. Because uh, let's just say for the sake of the argument, if they hadn't moved it from April, in essence, the, the challenge on the Democratic side is already over. And it's, you know, it's the, it's only March this happens time after time after time in presidential years. And I just think Pennsylvania deserves a, more of a voice in all of this than, you know, sort of as an afterthought. So perhaps the fact that it's being moved to June will illustrate the fact that, yes, in fact, you can move it. And, and right. the next time, four years from now, move it backwards. I agree. But, you know, there's going to be some issues now, too, because since we had an April 28th date, as we all know, it's hard to get people to remember the scheduled date of an election. Mm -hmm. So right. now it's being moved to another date. 
So imagine the marketing that's going to take place to get people to know that new date, if they're going to be changing polling locations, that they know to go there. Candidates, as we all know, aren't able to campaign the traditional way right now because we can't do the canvassing that we normally do because we're supposed to stay away from each other. So this is going to be an election. We always say how we can't go by the polls, but this is going to be an election we really aren't going to be able to predict. That is exactly right. But I'm wondering how this is also going to impact even the national, the presidential election. We're losing a lot of time here with people being able. And I mean, you know, Biden and and, and all of their toning down and not doing their rallies. But what about President Trump, uh, Jeffrey? Is he still saying he's going to have these big rallies or or is he pulling back as well? Oh, I I don't think the rallies are going on at all. You know, frankly, he's uh, pinned to the White House here. I mean, we're seeing him every every day. I don't even think that that is a concern at this point for for anybody. Frankly, Trump rallies or anybody else's rallies. I just think, you know, it's a no go. But what is a concern Mm -hmm. clearly is um, where we stand now economically. I mean, I heard uh, the president clearly is very concerned about this. And Jeffrey, you're the one who said, I mean, we can pull the tape that if the economy isn't doing so great guns, it's not going to be good for the president. So I don't know. what are your thoughts? I mean, on? you know, there may be an exception because everybody understands what the problem is. I mean, as opposed to a, <laughs> I'm about to use the word ordinary, an ordinary bad economy. Like um, under w- president. I mean, this is this is a whole different. De- I mean, this is changing. This virus is changing everything. Absolutely yeah. everything in American life and global life. I mean, and we we have no idea on all kinds of uh, issues how this is going to look when it's over. No, we, we don't uh, know how it's going to look when it's over. But I will tell you the truth. The, the truth is human beings are such that whoever's in charge gets the blame. Whether they yeah. Deserve, yeah. I mean, I'm looking yeah. back at Bush, I'm looking back at, you know, even even President Carter. He had nothing to do with the Iranians taking hostages, but he sure took the brunt for it. It sure made him look weak and ineffective. And I, I mean, I just wonder, I stand there and then we look at, at Trump standing up there. There's no solution. There's a lot of talk, but there's no solution to this. Is that going to hurt? I mean, I think they're they're obviously Dr. Fauci and all of these people are are working furiously. You know, what I think is great is reaching out to the private sector and all these private companies that can do the research on this. I mean, you've got a united front with people trying to find, you know, an antidote to this, et cetera. So, I mean, it, it will come surely at some point. And the question is, how long? And I do think that the idea of taking this in 15-day pieces is a good one. You know, we get to the end of 15 days and reassess and see where we are and what we need to do, et cetera. There's two parts of this. And um, part of it is, and as we see, the, the president is trying to implement a hard deadline of things will be reopened by April. But we see uh, governors because, you know, they're dealing with this, you know, more directly on a daily basis, kind of taking a hard line, you will stay home, are. And we've seen that with Governor Wolf here in Pennsylvania just this week. But when we talk about the election or this crisis as a whole, I kind of see this, we divide people into two groups. You have the elderly and people with health conditions that are more vulnerable to the coronavirus. But then you have the working poor, the poor, and even the middle class, people who work who are more vulnerable to its economic impact. So depending on which group you're in will affect how you see this crisis and how you may even vote in November. And, you know, when we talk about education, too, I've noticed this with friends and associates of mine. 
you see a lot of politicians, and we've spoken about it on this podcast, saying, you know, you don't need to go to college. There's trades. There's other things you can do to get good paying jobs. So while that is true, who are the people that are being hit the hardest with yep, that? It's, it's not people with four-year yeah. degrees. It's right. not people who can work from home. It's people with those trades. It's people who do not have that four-year degree. And yet, wait a minute, and yet the people, if I have a plumbing thing, I'm getting a plumber in here no matter what. And today, somebody's coming out to treat my lawn. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. They're going to still be able to do their job and treat the lawn and cut the grass and do all of that stuff. So, I mean, and I, I see what you're saying. There are two groups of people that are being hurt, the the health side of this and the economic side of this. But it was interesting that the president is starting to speak to that and to basically say that we don't want the cure to be harder than the disease, right? I mean, that's what he's getting at. Right. And I mean, he, he's, he is just as an individual. He's he, he has been all his life very goal oriented and, you know, got told no on all kinds of things in, in the course of his career and just kept plowing on until, you know, the objective was reached. And I suspect that that's somewhere in his head. Now, you know, shoot for this, take it in 15 day increments and see where we are at the end of 15 days and reassess uh, depending on the circumstances and then move ahead for another 15 days. I mean, keep doing this until we get there. I mean, we have I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen today before this day is out, let alone by That's Easter. I mean, things are so, no matter what happens, though, this virus and we see this every five to 10 years. Um, I was. Speaking to someone the other day, and they brought up the 1920s, where in the 1920s, you know, we had the Spanish flu, we had the Depression, and now there's something about the 20s <laughs> where we seem to have these issues. And I didn't think about that until you mentioned that to me, but that's a good, that's a good point. Well, but we're going to have to modify our behavior because whether we like it or not, the coronavirus is here, even when it gets on, you know, when it gets handled. So, you know, people are already I mean, shopping can, online. If you can, uh, having done it myself, uh, you know, as you know, I self-quarantined there in the beginning when I found out I'd been exposed. So I'm well past that now. But still, in essence, I'm self-quarantining. I mean, I went to the grocery right. store yesterday for the first time in ages and I'm not going back, you know, until I need to. Um, I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna leave the house. I mean it just it's Well uh, people are having the groceries delivered more now. Will yeah. that become more of a norm? People are already right. having things delivered more. I know when I go to a grocery store I carry sanitizer with me. When you go into the stores you see they have those sanitized wipes to wipe down the cart right. and whatnot. Our behavior is going to be modified regardless of when the initial crisis ends, because whether we like it or not, this virus is here to stay. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think I I may have said this last week, but, you know, when you think of 9-11, you know, the the world changed on 9-11, you know, on September 10th, there was no Department of Homeland Securities. There was no TSA. You didn't have to go through all sorts of stuff to get on a plane. And that changed. This, too, is going to bring its changes that that we haven't even begun to figure out yet. But boy, the world will be different when this is done. Let me just say this. We do hope this is going to pass. Now, here's the thing. It At some point, it has to wear itself out. The real question that I don't think doctors have yet answered is, will it come back as the flu does every year? 
and will we be prepared for it? Right. Good question. Right. Yeah. Right. Those are the issues. But let me let me say this because this is a little controversial, and I think I might be in some ways siding with the president. Oh my goodness. But Uh-oh. yeah, I know. I mean, because when I first heard it, I said, you know, that is just not wise. Come on, guy, do not tell people we're going to be out of this by Easter. But you know, human beings need something short term, kind of to aim for. I felt a little bit better about self quarantining when I thought, well, let's shoot for Easter. Let's shoot for that date. You know, at least that gives me some sort of goal, as you say, he likes goals, something to aim for. And will I be disappointed when it doesn't happen on Easter? Probably. But you know what? It got me through these two weeks. So may, I'm wondering if that's his thinking. On the other hand, we can't allow people back out and mixing as usual if it's really not contained, you know? So is he doing something at least to keep the spirits up while realizing we might have to let people down in two weeks? You know, you know when you're, well, I was going to say when you're president, but frankly, when you're the leader of any organization, you have to walk a delicate line between solving the problem and keeping people's spirits up, being positive, being upbeat. That doesn't mean being foolish. Right. It does mean you've got to encourage people and, and uh, you know, people are human beings out there and you, and you want to make sure that you're saying, look, we can beat this, et cetera, et cetera. You, you think of Franklin Roosevelt, you know, uh, the day after Pearl Harbor, you know, we'll, we'll win so help us God kind of thing, right. very upbeat. I mean, that's what, in this case, that's what a president's job is, and he's he's doing that. So pointing us and well, saying, I think there's some calculation too in that. We got to do a, a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the communications, the messages, and the inspiration, and who's actually leading, who's serving as that galvanizing spirit. So let's take a break right here. When we come back, we'll resume this conversation on the coronavirus crisis. Okay, we are back, and uh, we once again have Rajette Harris and Jeffrey Lord here. And I will tell you, as an audience, if you want to join us, please do so on Battleground PA on Facebook and Twitter. That's Battleground PA, or you can send an email to topics at battlegroundpa.org. So let's get back into it. We were talking about the fine line that leaders have to walk between giving people the hard truth and inspiring them and giving them some hope. I mean, I'm I'd like to hear what you guys think, but I do think New York's Governor Cuomo has been tremendous. I mean, he gives it to you straight. He treats you like an adult. But yet there's something inspirational about, you know, we'll get through this and it's all together. I mean, how, how are you guys? I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, well, I, I think the governor's to... doing a good job, but at the same time, there's other governors doing a good job, too. But this is one of the issues with the media. You know, they pick one person and they just focus on that one. But then a lot of the networks are in New York City, too. He's definitely yeah. taking leadership and have has done a, a fabulous job. But I think a lot of our governors have have also been doing a great job as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, anyone to fall over here, but I actually think Andrew Cuomo has done a good job. I, you know, the other day, just as a, uh, an example of this, as you know, I, I listened to my friend Sean Hannity every day on the radio, not to mention TV. And, and there on his radio show the other day was Andrew Cuomo for a good bit of an hour. And you would have thought they were long lost soulmates. <laughs> it was really... Uh, it was really a heartening thing 
to, to see. I mean, they both realize, you know, there's a serious problem here. It has nothing to do with politics. And let's get on with it together and get the thing solved. And uh, so I think in that sense, Andrew has done a, a very good job. I don't know him. I certainly know his brother, Chris. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their mama is watching. Trust me. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> you know, I hate to be the one, the cynical one here. And while I do agree that this is a pandemic and obviously we want the smallest amount of deaths as as possible with this, we do have an election this year. And I do think the our elected officials, especially those up for election this year, are trying to balance the public health aspect of this with the economic side. And I think that's why we saw at one o'clock in the morning today, Congress finally came together and agreed on a $2 trillion stimulus package, you know, and this has been back and forth for the past week, but they finally agreed. Um, both sides had to give, obviously, but we now have a stimulus package to help the economic and, fallout and point, from this. At that point, Rajat, I will tell you, everybody, I think, is being in. But if you, I mean, people who are close to retirement and are looking at their 501ks, it's not really. I mean, I don't think anybody's getting out of this thing unscathed economically. I mean, clearly there are some businesses that are, I guess are are doing well because they do well in a crisis. Some They're saying that maybe we need more schools for nursing. But everybody's suffering from this, and they, they had to do something to pull the nation out of this, or at least to right. get through these three right. weeks. And can I just go over a couple points real quick? Yeah, like, uh, for instance, most adults are going to receive uh, $1,200. Every mm-hmm. child will receive $500. Um, instead of three months of un- unemployment insurance, there will be four months of unemployment insurance, uh, $130 billion for hospitals. It's horrible that people who are risking their own lives have to reuse masks and gloves and things of that nature. State and local governments are going to be receiving $150 billion. Small businesses are going to be receiving $350 billion um, in low or no interest loans to try to keep the workers. That one's a little bit concerning to me because they're loans. They're not grants. Will they be able... Yeah, we really do enough. And the other question is, I mean, we're ignoring, and I, I don't, don't since I'm so connected to the faith communities, and I mean interfaith communities. What's being done? Churches, synagogues, temples—they're all suffering. What's being done to help these these places stay afloat? Because they have a vital service in our community too. You talk about providing hope. What are we doing to help the the, the religious groups as well who are losing? Right, and yeah, they also good... help people with mental uh, illness and. You know, we are social beings. Some people live alone. Some people are homeless. So they don't have a home to, to, to go to, to, you know, self-quarantine. So that social interaction isn't there. And as much as we love computers and text, it's not the same. So you have people who already have mental illness, who are isolated, that have issues. And you are correct. Our faith community helps those populations and all of us. It's it's mental health, but it's also people's emotional health. I mean, it's families. When you look, if there's a time when you need your faith community, it's when someone's died. And we got a lot of people dying now from this, right? Yeah. They can't have have funerals. They can't have burials. I mean, so much has changed where people need support. And let me tell you, unfortunately, when people go into churches, and when they're not going to church, they don't send their check. Am I right, Jeffrey? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I can tell you, having been very involved at my own church, there is no church. I mean, we're not having services on Sunday. I mean, the church is closed. 
And I certainly know, having been on my church council, that, yeah, you've got, you've got to have those offerings to sort of keep going. And we'll figure out a way around it without without question. But uh, it, I mean, this is just this yeah. is just one of a zillion problems out there. And we'll have to find our way through this one as well. Yeah, and, and the Penn Live is reporting this morning, if you go to our, our website, that PA unemployment claims skyrocket to 540,000 since wow. statewide coronavirus shutdown, shattering records. So, yeah. I mean, we are, in, we are in a real health, economic, and you know, if, frankly, if this continues as it is, we're all going to be in a kind of uh, emotional crisis because as, yeah. as, as Rajette is saying, how do you stay connected with your community? And um, how do you get out of your house? You know, <laughs> that's right. Kind of- you know, it's you know, kind I, of ironic, though, that we talk about socialism, but we're we're kind of engaging in it now to help people through this crisis. Yeah, yeah and I do think we have to be careful with this. I mean, we need to solve the problem here, but what's really going to get us out of this is the resumption of the private economy. Well, yes, and yet I'm going to tell you, I do not see how we could go through something like this and not realize the absolute need to make sure everyone around us has health care. It does mm-hmm. not, I'm going to be hurt if you are sick, Jeffrey. If you get a contagious disease and you're afraid to go to the doctor and you don't have the money to get treated, to get over it, I'm going to get sick the next time you come in and shake my hand. Why can't we at least come together? I mean, we're brilliant people, right, in this country. We're the, we're the world's most brilliant. Why can't we come up with a way that so many other countries have come up with to make sure people who need health care can get it, can afford well, I, it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But you don't want to have a health care system that basically is shared misery. No, but um, you, you, you want to have a private sector economy that works, that functions. Right. But That's, what I'm saying is we keep coming up with the why not. Let's come up with the solution, not just why we haven't done it. There is a way to do this. There really is. I was just going to say a lot of it to me is it's about money. You know, Chris Rock said in one of his uh, comedy skits, the money's in the it's in it's in the medicine. It's not in the cure. And again, I don't mean to be cynical, but the healthcare industry is out there to make money. The, the medicines, the pills, a, a whole lot of stuff. Um, you see a lot of people on dialysis, for instance, with kidney failure. There are so many kidneys that go unused every year where we could cure people of that disease. But instead, it's one of the few ailments where the federal government through Medicare will completely um, fund. And again, I'm not trying to be cynical, but we need to find a way to take money out of a lot of these these issues if we're really going to come up with solutions to solve it, because everyone should have health care. I think it's horrible that just because I'm in my 30s and in, in good health, I can't get tested for the coronavirus because mm-hmm. I don't fit the quote criteria. We all should be able to get tested, not Every. just a, a certain group of, of individuals. I absolutely agree. Yeah. But, but Jeffrey, is there any other thinking, at least on the Republican side, that, hey, maybe we ought to join hands, not join hands really in reality, but spiritually or something with the Democrats and come up with something that, I mean, if we can come out of this with a joint solution toward the healthcare situation in the country, wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to emerge from this? 
Sure, but you you want to make sure that the solution is is not worse than the that the cure isn't worse than the problem. And I mean, one of the things I've been critical of is Republicans. You know, they were opposed to Obamacare, and I agree. And they they had seven years, you know, or, or eight years of President Obama, and they kept saying, "Well, you know, we don't want this. We want something else." Well, okay, fine. The day after Donald Trump was inaugurated, Did they it. should have been on the okay. Capitol steps announcing what their plan was Absolutely. and get it passed. They Absolutely. didn't do it. And I just think that was a mammoth mistake. I agree. And I will tell you, Jeffrey, if it weren't for Obamacare, I wonder where a lot of people would be today. There would be a lot of little kids out there with no health insurance, no way to get to the doctor. There'd be a lot of folks suffering and unafraid to go. Well, there were people suffering because of Obamacare. People lost their doctor. My own mother lost her doctor. Well, because of Obamacare, um, you know, so, you know, we get I mean, that's a long and and detailed issue here. But uh, just in general, sure, we, we, need, we need to get something done. We have to get I think. How about this? We all agree. If there's one thing that could come out of this is everybody putting their minds together to solve the health care crisis in this country. I don't see how we can get a stronger message. You know, for those who believe in God, okay, God's sending your message. For those who don't, nature is sending your message. We've got to take care of each other. Are we all in agreement on that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Sure. It's just a question of how you do it. That's all. Exactly. And, and, I'm not, and I'm not disagreeing with it. It is how you do it. But all I'm saying is we've set, we've criticized too much rather than come up with a solution, which is exactly what Jeffrey said. The Republicans should come up with something that works. And Democrats should sign on to it, right? Well, I don't think Nancy Pelosi would agree with that. <laughs> but yes, I mean, yes, we need to solve the problem. I mean, and again, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about the world is going to change when this is over. That's one of the things I think that is going to change. And we will see exactly how, but I, that it will change. I don't have any question. Well, on that, I am going to thank you profusely, Jeffrey Lord, uh, a wonderful Republican pundit, and thank you, Rajette Harris, Democrat uh, analyst. I appreciate your guys being here. Let's just see how things develop in the next week. Will we be any closer to a resolution when we talk again on Tuesday? That is the question. And I thank our listeners for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay away from other people at least six feet. See you later. This was Battleground PA. Be sure to rate and subscribe to us so you don't miss a beat. Have an idea for an episode? Tweet us at Battleground PA or email us at topics at battlegroundpa.org. Meanwhile, stay in the know between episodes on penlive.com. Battleground PA is hosted by PenLive's opinion editor, Joyce Davis, and is produced by Penn Studios director, Salim Michelle McClouf, and edited by Martin Boutros. More info and past episodes can be found at battlegroundpa.org.